I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Roshan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. This week, we're talking about the safety and security of social media. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode. So throughout March, me, Leanne and Roshan are taking on our own individual episodes to talk to women that we think are doing great work within our communities and explore issues that we think are just really important to tackle. It is also International Women's Month and this year the theme is Choose to Challenge, which I kind of have taken that as, you know, choose to have the difficult conversations, choose to disrupt the norm and choose to address the elephant in the room. And I think one of the elephants in the room for me is how toxic social media can really be, especially in the last year where we have had COVID and lockdown and been forced to stay indoors. The reliance on social media has been hard to deny. You know, social media is already such a huge part of so many of our lives. But because of quarantine and because of COVID, so many more of us have had to rely on social media for work, relationships and everything in between. That said, it isn't always a safe or healthy place to be, especially for black women. And to help me explore what that is and what we can do to change the narrative, I have two amazing guests. I'm Gretchen Robertson. I'm a psychotherapist. I practice at Frontline. Uh, Frontline is a fabulous service, which is really focused on people of color. Any shape, size, sexual orientation are welcome. We are a virtual service now. So that means, you know, there's no face to face. I also have a podcast called Psycho Mama and I am American, but I've lived in this country like 30 years. Hey, so I'm Jackie. Um, I'm a podcaster. Um, I have a podcast called Jackie Big Tits, where um, I talk about like taboo topics such as like love, finances, relationships. Um, and it is named after me because I have massive tits. <laughs> um, I'm also a columnist for the Metro. So I talk about uh, women's health, body acceptance, boob acceptance, racism, um, and I also host a podcast called Say It Loud with uh, Edinburgh TV Festival, where I talk to established black UK talent in the TV industry. Um, and I um, am passionate about female empowerment and making 
women feel their best, especially black women. So I want to start by talking a bit about both of your experiences of social media. I mean, how often would you say you use it? And do you think that the pros outweigh the cons? Gretchen, I want to start with you. Okay, I use social media a lot. I also personally, you know, in my own life, I've been burnt by it where um, I've had partner kind of play around a little bit on the side on social media, which I, because it's such a mystical place. It's like you can become another person. Mm. So from a personal side, I have this kind of reverence for it, but also very hyper aware of the power that it has for not such great things. So how it can make us um, hate ourselves, mm-hmm. how it can make us transform ourselves and how it can potentially hide mm. ourselves. So I use it all the time, reluctantly, but I I do. And I can get drawn into the TikTok hole, if I'm honest, like badly. It's just, it's so addictive. But then, you know, they make their opinions about you based on what you're liking, what you're not liking. And But I also work with uh, influencers. So, you know, people with very high... Uh, Instagram profiles, which I think it's very interesting for me to kind of explore their versions of reality based on the fame and lucrative aspect of it versus the reality of their lives. So multifaceted opinions about social media. Yeah. Influencers is such an interesting one because, I mean, they kind of are this weird mix between, you know, quote unquote, everyday people, but also not also somewhat celebrities And that line has been blurred so much in the past few years. And, you know, it's a weird one because people nowadays, they idolise influencers, you know, they look up to them. And, you know, I think that does something strange to the psyche almost. And I'm not not sure if it's a good thing, really. (laughs) But I agree. And I think that that's, that's the point I was making at the very beginning of my statement of saying that there is so many ways of hiding and argumenting what you're about using social media as a tool and you don't have to be an influencer to do that right Mm -hmm. but if you are an influencer and you're being financially encouraged to do so when you already have mental health concerns imagine how dangerous that potentially could be for the psyche as you described Jackie what about you what's been your kind of experience of social media bad and good I mean, I've had social media from, I mean, I'm talking Bebo days, you know, me and I'd have my other half who was the guy I'm in a relationship with or whatever in my maths class. And it was all sort of all really, (laughs) you know, those days where it's like, oh, like, are you going to be my other half? So like, I remember when social media was kind of, well, it was fun and it was silly and it was a way for you to connect with your friends and that was it. Whereas now it's different because it's such a massive part of our world. Me personally... I don't have a bad relationship with social media. I think um, specifically when it comes to black women, what I've found hard with social media is the fact that, w- uh, especially in, in when I was in secondary school, black women were always the butt of jokes offline. That was always happening. Mm. And then the conversations now moved online. So there was a time during twi- uh, Twitter, maybe 2012, where there were so many colorist tweets. We had like mm-hmm. loads of black, man's, black men saying that black women look like burnt toast. We had black women cussing other black women. There was, there was a period of time where, you know, the self-hate was real. Um, and uh, so many of us were internalizing because society was telling us we're undesirable. So it was almost like we were looking down on other black women, you know, because it's like, oh, well, I'm not like her. So it's, it's really interesting kind of, and now it's come full circle because like, 
no one will gas you up like another black woman will gas you up. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've all come kind of full circle in a way. But at that time, you know, we were all struggling with our blackness and, and finding our beauty in our blackness. Um, and right now, what I found interesting is because obviously it's lockdown and we're all at home, is Clubhouse. And how Clubhouse has been, you know, it's if people aren't really well versed on it, it's like an audio app um, where you can kind of, people can start rooms and you can join and people like talking crap unprovoked. And, you know, black women, again, have been the butt of, you know, many, many kind of conversations. There was a room called uh, Are Black Women Good in Bed? which was started by a black man and actually one of the moderators was a was a was a white woman and i remember thinking this is actually embarrassing why is this even a conversation and then there were various rooms started by other black women being like what is this and it's like i feel like when it comes to black women in social media it's not it's not a safe space for us offline but it's also not a safe space for us online i think you have to be very conscious of what you digest i'm very conscious of what? So if I'm on social media and maybe like there's loads of conversations about race that are just too heavy for me, I switch off. I'm like, right, I'm done for the day. And maybe I'll come back later. But sometimes it is really hard being a black woman on social media, I think, because people like to laugh at us. Mm. Um, and I laugh and not take our pain very seriously. Um, and I think that's something that's that's really difficult. I mean, we only need to look at Meghan Markle to see that, you know, our pain isn't taken seriously. And I think seeing other people write things like that is really difficult because I know in real life that's the way society shaped to not take black women's pain and not take our emotions seriously. So I think with social media, um, as a black woman, it's about being conscious for me. It's about being conscious of what I engage with. I know when to engage and I know when to switch off, really. But at the same time, I've met some amazing black women on social media who I've never even met. But it's just like, you'll be commenting on the Instagram pictures, like, you look popping, sis. But like, we've never <laughs> met, but like, that, do you know what I mean? So it's, it goes both ways. So it's kind of, but I think, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm quite selective with what I, I kind of choose to engage with on social media. It is documented and it is factual evidence that black women have a different experience online. And I think sometimes, you know, even though you know that to be real, it doesn't feel real until it affects you directly. Like I remember, I'll never forget, I think this must have been like two or three years ago now, but um, someone commented on one of my Instagram pictures and used the N-word. Wow. And I reported it and, you know, I got one of those like standard, we see nothing wrong with this profile kind of replies. And it was really like devastating. So it was like, mm -hmm. oh there's really nothing I can do about this. Like this person can really just attack you yeah. and then just go on with their day as if it never happened. And it's not like you ever get to have a face-to-face -face conversation with that person. You ever get to like say, do you know what? That's actually like not okay. And that happens every single day. I don't see the direct attacks. What I see is the internalized racism of some of the individuals who are putting themselves out there. And I'm thinking about Megan Stallion. There's more than one Megan being tortured right now. And I and you know, obviously, you know, she was ridiculed. I I was wondering like when is somebody going to protect her? I know that black women are the least protected group on the planet. Like nobody cares about us. I know that. So I go come from a place of like, well, I'm going to do extra caring about us, right? I'm going to do extra. I'm going to align myself with women that do extra for us. And so 
observing that that never happened for Megan, you know, isn't isn't surprising. You know what I'm saying? Like who got shot and was bleeding. Right. Um, and she was protecting Tory. She was protecting Tory lanes. And I think, you know, it's so funny because I feel like so many of us as black women, we've all been there where you're protecting someone else. If it's not another white person's feelings, it's a black man or it's, it's somebody. We're always protecting everybody, even to the detriment of ourselves. And so I'm sure so many of us saw ourselves in Megan. Um, and just the fact that, like, people didn't believe that she got shot, you know, and it's like, what do you want her to do? Like, I'm not sure. How are you dancing in the WAP video? You know, it's like, mm. it's mental. Yeah, like, as soon as it happened with Megan and the shooting, you know, she went quiet for ages and she was off social media. And any other normal person would think, oh, well, that's because she is recovering both physically and emotionally. But what happened is, oh no, where is she? She needs to tell her side of the story. She must be lying. What is she hiding from? And and this is so interesting. And just coming from a therapeutic perspective of, of how many times, because I, I would say almost all of my clients are women of color, right? So specifically the default setting of us that is to put others first, even when we are on our knees like, suffering from racism and and beat down with PTSD and like all well CPSD PTSD complex post um, traumatic stress disorder like when you're dealing with the inescapable torturous pain of racial bigotry right and you're still thinking about not trying to hurt the person <laughs> that is harming you right I'm going to deprioritize myself so that nobody's uncomfortable around me I'm going to get out the way and do my healing and lick my wounds elsewhere so that you don't have to trip over me. Megan the Stallion and that shooting, we saw footage of and it was still, her story was still torn apart. That video of her getting out of the car and, you know, her leg is, is bleeding. I, I might be wrong, but I think that was leaked by TMZ. I think they were the people that hosted it the first time. What do you guys feel about, you know, TMZ, The Shade Room, those kind of places where it feels like often black pain and the most shock value version of the story is the one that's sold. And, and usually it is black women that face, face the price for that. So, yeah, what do, you, what do you guys feel about those kind of blogs and those kind of websites? And uh, do they have any toxic. kind of toxic... <laughs> Toxic. Do you know what? They're so toxic because all they do is gather people who aren't positive and they just drop nasty comments in there. And it's like, it's like, for example, Aloni, she always says, you know, don't, if I, because sometimes what happens is if you're an influencer or your personality, you might say something, like you might tweet something and they'll screenshot your tweet, put it on, in, on like the shade bar, for example, and say, hey, guys what do you think of what Aloni has said mm. and then you get knowing she's gonna get abuse for it whatever she knowing says she's gonna get dragged no, exactly and she'll say she'll literally tweet don't put me in don't don't like put me in your like on your page like you know I'm a dark-skinned black woman you know people are gonna come for me and if you go there all people do is drag her like they're never positive like those pages are so toxic like people congregate who like I don't know they maybe they hate themselves they I don't know who they be hating they need Jesus but they just be <laughs> writing all types of stuff. Sometimes it's really shocking because I'm just like, you probably know this pain, yet you're laughing 
you know? Mm. It's kind of... I hate all those pages. Before, initially in the beginning, I used to, like, follow, like, the Shade Room and stuff. And I think at that time it was because it was nice to... to um, be aware of like black news it was the stories you would never get in the mainstream yeah you would never get in the mainstream so it's like oh it's like little boozy's doing what do you know what I mean it's a bit like oh but then now it's a bit it's ugly you know the, it's, it's toxic it's negative I think for, for to, to be honest the only reason why they thrive is because people like other people's misery this is simple as that always historically like I'm talking about as an American person right we've been ridiculed so it's always been about how do we how does the american like media how do they keep us looking as ridiculous as possible the way that we as a as a respondent group deal with this information do you know what i'm saying that you can have the shade room Mm. because it's just it's just perpetuating the like the same rubbish that we've been doing for years you know making fun of people it's funny because I was on TikTok and sometimes, like you, I go on into TikTok rabbit holes. And I don't know if you've come across these. It's really weird, but there's like these like Gen Z uh, kind of white guys on TikTok who like black women. And they do videos like I'm practicing braids for my future daughter and wife. Or I'm eating chocolate to, to sh- insinuating that they like dark skinned women. So kind of likening us to food. And it's really interesting because there's loads of comments and there's lots of black women in a lot of those comments who'll sort of put in love-struck faces, you know, like, oh, that's amazing. And it made me think about how society and men in society know how to play into the insecurities of black women. We're living in a society where you're basically well I feel like I that I've generally felt like from when I was younger like that I was ugly because I didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes and so you don't just stop I think it's a journey like self-love is a journey as we all know and I think everybody's on their different path so it's not like someone is going to wake up when they're 21 and then decide that like they're happy with the way they look it's an ongoing journey so there's probably a lot of black women who are still on those journeys and you know, a a white man saying that they like black women to them is like, oh, that means I'm desirable, you know? Your self-worth because the white gaze approves of you. Right, that part. And it's because of the internalized racism, right? And that's, this is such a bigger conversation around so many other evolutionary cultural things. Like, you know, and, and it's not even about him, but also just the privileges that being with a white man affords because he's on the top of the tree and we're right at the bottom. The way that we are mocked online is tiring. You know, I'm sure we've all seen the videos of people. And, you know, again, it's sad because it is usually black men. It's such a mess. Putting on a wig or some makeup or some false nails and mocking the black female stereotypes Mm. for the sake of quote unquote comedy. And you look in the comments of the people laughing and it's not just all black people laughing. Of course it's mm, not, mm, you know? I mean, yeah, I think that's what makes it harder is the fact that a lot of the time it's cis black men who are dressing up. And you're a bit like, man, like, you know the damn struggles. Come on. But the public don't get to see the spectrum of blackness that we see and we know because we all know that 
because not every black woman is the same, we're all different. We know that, but because they don't put us in these places or they don't, you know, we're not, we're not always in the magazines and stuff, then I guess white Britain in this case don't get to see that spectrum. So they just see what they see online and they go, oh yeah, they, they must all be like that. I mean, in my experience, it happens between people who think that they are somehow other, even though, you know, they are part of, we're part of the same community. They, pre- they present themselves as being black plus, like fancy black, <laughs> like I used to try to call it, versus, yeah, like, you know, fancy black. So it's like, you know, like black velvet. Honestly. <laughs> <So like, laughs> rather than, you know, recognizing that when they make fun of the one then the more challenged environment, the most vulnerable, because this is who we're making fun of, right? We're making fun of the woman who's the most vulnerable. The woman with the least amount of options and choices because of where she is and her voice and her name is not going to get her the job interview. Yeah? We're making fun of her to ourselves rather than trying to, like, do something else. And then people who want to be in on how cool we are will then share it out in their communities. You're onto something here because... There was actually a time, maybe it was December or November last year, where Hakkasan was trending because lots of black people who have money, which is great, uh, would go to Hakkasan, a really expensive restaurant in Mayfair. And there was like a running bitter conversation that black people going to high quality places devalues the place. So and and it's the same with um and this was coming from other black people mind and you know a black woman owning a birkin is making a birkin have less value but again that like what you talked about the kind of black velvet as much as we are a collective there is divides within this collective that is invisible to the naked white eye but it's not invisible to us Another big joke, again, quote unquote, that is used on social media is ripping off black women's wigs intentionally. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. This upsets me so much to see because it's like someone ripping off your T-shirt or pulling down your pants Mm. or like it is so, you know, there's so much privacy that goes into your hair. And for someone to just be like, whoop, and not even just like take it off to like wave it around and make it a joke. And I hate to think, like, how many women in real life, how many black women have actually had their wigs ripped off as a result of these viral videos, you know? So there's there's two points on this. First of all, I have never worn a wig for exactly that reason. I, I, don't, I don't need to have that extra level of concern. I don't, like, let me just limit the number of things that I'm worrying about walking around. I've got enough things to be thinking about. But white women and other women of all different nationalities also wear wigs. Mm -hmm. People make it seem like extensions is just a black woman thing. It's not because it's not a focal point. It's not something that is in discussion. It's like there is this need to just expose black women, you know, and to use the internet, to use social media as that kind of, you know, I'm not the only one that's going to see this. Hundreds and hundreds of other people are going to see this too. And I have seen countless videos of 
black women, you know, literally minding their own business and getting their wig ripped off for the sake of comedy. I don't, I think I would never in a million years see a white woman in that position. It would, people would be like, nah, that's not funny. Like, nah, like. No, because they would sense the humiliation of that woman. There would be more of an identification with compassion, that this woman needs to be held on some sort of level of respect. I'm not saying pedestal. I'm just saying just to have some monicum of respect for her. When it comes to our hair, it's always political, isn't it? Because mm. there's always been a fascination with our hair. Whether it's natural, whether it's wig, whatever it is, it's always a ooh, ah, can I touch it? When I think about wigs, and for I speak for myself here, getting wearing a wig when I, so I started wearing wigs from maybe when I was like, I don't know, 20. For me at that time, it felt like, okay, this is a desi- okay. It's a desirable look. I can kind of blend in now, like everyone else, because my hair is like this kind of Eurocentric style or whatever. So for someone to then pull that off my head is like, nope, no, you're not. This is who you are. This is what you know. And I think that it's always nice. Nah, a wig though. No, it's a this. We can't just be like this is just what it is. So we have spoken about our mental health and protecting our mental health when it comes to social media and online spaces. Um, Gretchen, I know you mentioned that you work for frontline therapists. So talk us through, you know, why do you think it's important to offer spaces online that talk about therapy outside of, you know, the typical NHS or outside of having to kind of go into the establishment? Why did you feel like, you know, social media is a place we need to hit for this. Number one, I think in terms of a community, I'm going to say people of color, so I'm not going to be too specific just about black people because I think it's probably relevant to lots of groups around the world. That meant that seeing a therapist or having a conversation about your personal mental health and and what's actually going on with you internally is often taboo. And also in this particular country, when certain groups who feel marginalized have conversations at an NHS level about mental health or issues with coping or whatever that might look like, there's a little bit of a fear of the authority of that individual that it could actually flip um, and turn against them. So having a safe space that's specifically for black people that isn't um, threatening in any way, I think is definitely an advantage and something that we need to have more of. You know, I think we've expanded as an organization that we speak to more people. We have more counselors, but I think there's a lot and it's not just about Black Lives Matter, but it's just once once you give a little bit of your experience of racism, it's it's such a sliver. It, there's so much more behind it that sometimes it can feel overwhelming. And, and I would say from some of the people I've spoken to that they're actually frightened to bring all of it out because to a white person because it might cause them harm. They won't be able to handle it. It could break them. So to be able to speak to another person of color about your issues of being a person of color is so powerful and so necessary. There's not many of us in the industry either. And when you speak to your patients and your clients, how often does social media come up? Oh, like for some, like every single session. And not not just as an influence. So obviously as an influencer, it it comes up in terms of context of their life, the way that they deal with their day, the the concerns, the issues and that sort of thing um, in terms of matching the projection to the reality. That, that's a separate thing. But then also in terms of how people 
weigh themselves against others. So how they want to be seen based on the projections of other people on social media, you know, the measuring and the comparison of other people and challenging their own ideas and, and um, I guess, personal beliefs around who they are. It is hard to be black on the internet. It is hard to be a woman on the internet. It is sure damn hell hard to be a black woman on the internet. Um, But, you know, I want to try and end this episode on a positive note. So I want to ask you guys, firstly, you know, what are some of the benefits you've got from social media? And secondly, your top advice for making the most out of social media, especially considering we are still in lockdown. You know, we still, a lot of people are not really able to leave their homes. And of course, you know, they're going to use social media. So yeah, Gretchen, I want to start with you. So the benefits of social media, in my opinion, I feel that there are wonderful tools for exploring what you are interested in, your uniqueness, your authenticity, by seeing a variety of individuals living their best lives. By seeing somebody being authentic, often that can give another person the freedom and the permission to be authentic themselves. So to, to really explore the variety and width and breadth of what's out there in terms of who black people can be and who they have been and who they are and, you know, different creatives that are doing incredible things, which maybe don't get as many kind of widespread likes and followers, but it's still there. And there's so much interesting medical information and beauty information and, you know, health and diet and so many things which are positive. And I and I would say, you know, as far as using it and, and in terms of the tips, I'd say if it feels bad, get off. If what you're watching is making that part of your body, like in your solar plexus, like in your belly, starting to feel a little bit sick, you're starting to just quickly glance at yourself in the phone, like, hang on a minute, how do I look? Let me compare myself in this photo to this woman. Let me screenshot this and figure out how to do that. Get the hell off. Mm. It's like having a frenemy on screen who's always waiting for you and ready to just tell you like how rubbish you are. So if that starts to come up, you have the choice. You know, you can direct your visions. Yeah, one thing I read online, um, lol. <laughs> lol. <laughs> the irony but um but like you said there are good parts there are good parts but um yeah one thing I read the other day is that apparently you know when you wake up first thing in the morning there's obviously there's this kind of in-between stage where you're sort of your body is just starting to wake up before you go into I'm fully awake and I'm ready to get on with the day and if the first thing you do is pick up your phone and see something negative, that can set off not only your mind, but your body into a whole state of either high alert or of depression for like the whole day. Correct. If that's the first thing you see when you wake up in the morning. And that's definitely something I've had to take into consideration. Like, you know, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I go on is social media. No, no more. Because it just wasn't doing me any good. So it's self, for sure. It's self parenting, right? So that would maybe be my other tip: would be be your own parent, right? So if you imagine you're allowing yourself just to just do whatever you want, just one run wild in 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 the internet and social media, that's not good. So have a part of yourself that can observe and then correct 
when you're going off path. So I'm not talking about like not going into the deep dive rabbit hole. I'm talking about the kind of content that you're looking at, because not only does it impact you, like you said, in that Mm -hmm. more physiological way, but it also impacts the kinds of things you see ongoing in terms of the algorithms. Jackie, what about you? So the good things that you've got out of social media and advice to make the most of it. So I would say one of the good things is that social media and the kind of people that I follow has helped me change my worldview. So I think social media has been good in terms of me learning about different marginalised communities, learning a lot more about like struggles that disabled people face, trans people, in a way that I probably would have not maybe learnt offline. So it's give it's it's been it's been really good in terms of me understanding how other people live, so I can also fight for those people. Um, I would say a tip um, is be. I know it's cliche, but actually be yourself. Like I, when I started my sort of podcast and um, you know a, a podcast called Jackie Big Tits, people are like that's mad. I wouldn't call it that if I was you, but actually. It's open so many different conversations and that is me like that is me like that is who I am so the way I am offline is the same that I am online be yourself because you know what everyone else is taken and there's no one like you so just just be just be you and do the, and follow the people that make you feel good about yourself follow people that make you that challenge you because I think that's also really important people that challenge you like it's really important to follow people that have a different life to you so that you can learn Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you have found it as interesting and enlightening as I have. There are going to be links to charities and organisations that can help you tackle the toxic nature of social media. Just check out the information below. Until next week, stay blessed and unapologetically black. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.